At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sowing the seeds of cannabis and sounding the praise of our favorite plants, it's time to Hemp Resent. Our radio resident Hempo Sapien, Vivian McPeak, will present a weekly platform for guests and listeners to Hemp Resent about hemp and cannabis from the legal, activist, and reformist route. Let's round up and roll it up for our headmaster of hemp, Vivian McPeak. Welcome to Hemp Present, the weekly radio show where you can get your PhD in THC because you don't just want to burn it, you want to learn it. Seeking to defeat prohibition one interview at a time and advocating for the plant, the whole plant, nothing but the plant. Join me for a weekly reefer radio rebellion against prohibition as I speak with some of the principal risk takers, movers and shakers, and history makers of the cannabis industry, culture, and reform movement. I'm your host, Vivian McPeak. I am the executive director of the world's largest annual cannabis policy reform event, the Seattle Hemp Fest, found at hempfest.org in its 26th year. I'm also the author of the book Protestable, a 20-year retrospective of Seattle Hemp Fest from AHA Publishing, also found at hempfest.org. Today's guest on Hemp Present is Sunil Agarwal, MD, PhD, who will join me in about one minute. After being widely discredited, character assassinated, and scapegoated for the good part of a century by medicine, media, and government, cannabis marijuana has emerged from the dark shadows of prohibition into the bright light of recent discovery. Once maligned as a dangerous, toxic, and highly addictive substance, cannabis is being redefined and rediscovered as a reasonably harmless, potentially therapeutic, natural substance, with as much or more to offer humanity as any other plant known to humankind. Once seen as little more than a hippie's hobbit weed, cannabis is steadily ascending to the status of one of nature's most resilient and resourceful agents of industry, agriculture, and recreation, and, believe it or not, healing and health. While many of us hempsters have had our own anecdotal evidence of ganja's vast industrial and therapeutic properties for a long time, science has been slowly providing empirical evidence for a variety of stunning medical applications. It appears that men, at least, who regularly smoke pot possess a reduced risk of bladder cancer, for example. Cannabis use also appears to reduce opiate consumption, which, of course, translates into less opiate-related deaths. In addition, cannabis looks like it can aid in the treatment of diabetes, Alzheimer's disease, and epilepsy, among other diseases. Much knowledge has been gained about our own body's endocannabinoid system. Researchers in Barcelona have reportedly made a breakthrough in the neurochemistry of cannabis, unlocking THC's effects on memory. 
THC can even apparently aid liver transplants by overcoming ischemia reperfusion injury, a common cause of liver transplant failure. And while a steady diet of inhaled cannabis can certainly shrink one's bank account, science apparently shows that cannabis doesn't actually shrink the brain, despite reefer madness claims. There are at least three FDA-approved drugs that are currently made for marijuana. They include Marinol and Sesamet, drugs which are used to treat nausea and lack of appetite from both chemotherapy and AIDS, and Epidiolex, a drug to treat children's epilepsy, but its use is highly restricted. Cetibex is approved in more than 20 countries to treat muscle spasms from MS and cancer pain and is currently in trial in the United States. My guest today is an old friend and a Seattle Hemp Fest Corps member, as well as a brilliant scientist and physician who can tell us so much more, and he's taken time out to join us today. Welcome, Sunil, to Cannabis Radio. Good, good afternoon, good morning, wherever you are. It's a pleasure to be here with you, Viv. Thank you, my brother. Sunil, we've, we've gained, we have so much ground to cover today in so much little time. How were you initially introduced to cannabis, and when did you know that it was going to partially define your work? <laughs> Initial introduction was... <clears throat> you know, our equivalent of D.A.R.E. in elementary school and everyone saying that it's dangerous and it'll destroy your brain, teachers, peers. Um, We had a a school group called Ruffers Against Illegal Drugs in high school uh, led by the football coach slash Teens for Christ um, sponsor slash biology teacher, my biology teacher. So it was all kind of just part of a general negative uh, stereotype and then I guess uh, the college time, I got a different second introduction uh, thanks to the Berkeley Undergraduate Philosophy Club who told me, hey, this might actually help your thinking. Uh, and uh, turns out, once you're in a relaxed frame of mind, you can think better philosophically. So uh, that was my introduction, and uh, that was 1999. Fast forward to, well, I mean, after that point, I started researching it. Um, seriously, and uh, uh, starting to find out about the chemistry of how the cannabis plant works with the brain and nervous system and, and beyond. And uh, sometime around 2002, 2001, when I came to do higher studies at the University of Washington, I told the uh, folks here that I really w- I was interested in cannabinoid medicine, cannabinoid science, and um, it you know was a uh, became, uh, I thought this was going to be a new area of discovery, um, but I didn't really seriously dive into it until a couple of years later when I started to see the uh, increasing violence of cannabis-related uh, prohibition uh, on friends, family, even threats to my own uh, well-being, and I realized this is a, it's time to get serious about this. That was 04. You have been working in palliative care, a critical field helping people die without fear and suffering yet with dignity. How did you come to that field of work and what can cannabis offer us all when it's time for us to shove off from this dusty spaceship? (laughs) I mean, palliative care was always a passion of mine. Um, uh, When I was in high school, I would uh, we I was a debater and uh, we had a resolution terminally ill patients have the right to die when and how they choose and I remember finding out that uh, all the you know cases of people who were put on machines and just uh, you know lifeless or with in vegetable states and vegetative states and and uh, you know this increasing movement that people should have a right to uh, have a say in, in how they're going to end their lives uh, um, and then I guess. Uh, 
you know, my medical school training, I got exposed to uh, doctors working in this field and, um, I really didn't know much about it, but I saw that they were very holistic minded, uh, that they understood the important role of, uh, psychology and spirituality in health. And then when I started doing my, uh, clinical training, I, I did, a I went to Evergreen Hospice in Kirkland. I went to Harborview on the palliative service and I saw a tremendous amount of crisis and suffering that uh, families and uh, patients and their families were dealing with. And I saw uh, really good nurse practitioners and doctors uh, helping people palliate them in these most distressing times and helping walk people along with people when they, when they can't cure, they can always try to alleviate, palliate comfort. Just thought that was a quite a wonderful thing to offer. And um, I decided that uh, you know, my cannabis research uh, had a lot to apply there. I started getting published publications in palliative journals, and I saw, my goodness, they are really focused on pain relief, on anxiety relief, on um, helping people deal with what's called existential anxiety, just the anxiety of being alive and, uh, you know, that you're going to die. And, and cannabis, as its role throughout multiple healing systems, has been a, a lot about helping people deal with uh, the distress and anxiety of just being present and helping to bring people into the present. And um, that element of it, the, the strong pain-relieving properties of it, the nausea and vomiting-relieving properties of it that the cancer patients had discovered, it makes it an excellent palliative uh, agent. And uh, increasingly, research is more and more keeps being done to show how ex effective it is compared to other drugs. Uh, so, I mean, it's uh, quite a bit of applications. We could we could go into that in definer detail, but I, uh, I I would have to talk a whole show about that. So let me uh, stop there. If I was the maker of Ativan, I would probably be very threatened by cannabis. Um, it, it, it feels like there is a revolution, just a revolution taking place all over the globe in terms of cannabis awareness and consciousness. Do you agree? And, and if so, how would you characterize it? I would characterize it. I agree, yes. And I agree. I, I would characterize the Seattle Hemp Fest and Seattle as one of the ground zeros of that uh, revolution with this uh, event that we put on here, you and your team, for, for 25 plus years, showing people that you can create uh, a zone of normalcy, a zone of safety, a zone of reason and calmness around cannabis and all the, um, you know, the entire uh, prohibition, the modern one that started, that Nixon kind of kicked off and, uh, and then all the other presidents uh, pushed forward was all about making it abnormal, making it dangerous, making it, making it, you know, something that, uh, threatens your job, your housing, your family, your freedom, everything. And, uh, the pushback started when we said, no, you can actually have cannabis in a space or at least talk about it, be around it. And it's not, it doesn't cause the entire, everybody to lose their freedom in their lives. And once you start to demonstrate that on larger and larger scales, people become more comfortable with it. And then scientists also became more comfortable when they started to understand exactly how it works in the body. And um, that was a big discovery. People didn't know for so long, you know, they were, they didn't understand that there was actually specific molecules or receptors in multiple tissues in their brain and nervous system and immune system and many other systems that interact with the cannabinoids. So cannabis really led 
a study of cannabis led us to a whole new discovery of biology. And so it became more and more, you know, familiar, more and more uh, alike, like us more than it was this unlike us, less and less alien, more and more friend. Uh, and uh, that's, that I think has helped push this revolution along too. So it's about re-establishing a relationship, and um, you know, I think uh, uh, certainly money uh, makes this world go round or has in negative ways, um, and uh, but also it has spurned a lot of economic interest because uh, because there is so much potential, and and um, we just have to make sure that that um, that uh, wealth that that profits that will come from cannabis. Well, benefits the whole commonwealth because cannabis does belong to all of us, not just a few pharmaceutical companies or, you know, um, private government, uh, private public partnerships or whatever they end up developing that. But certainly that speculation, plus those tax revenues that are coming, is just even adding more to it. So it's money, it's new relationship, it's health, all of that stuff um, is, 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 is uh, changing our um, global social understanding. Now there are pushbacks here and there, but uh, you can't really. There's a famous saying, you know, there's no uh, stopping an idea whose time has come. So we really can't. We can't unlearn what we've learned now. So, I agree 100%. Um, and speaking of whose time has come, uh, it's time for our first break. I'm speaking with Dr. Sunil Agarwal. And we're going to take, as we always do in the first uh, segment, take a quick pause for the cause because there's flaws and laws. Hear word from our sponsors and advertisers. Come right back with some amazing questions for Dr. Sunil Agarwal. Time to roll out for the people that let us hemp present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. The smoke is rising, and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com. Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network. Join our crew of thousands on our Cannabis Radio page on Facebook or at Canna Radio, C-A-N-N-A Radio on Twitter. Plus, look for our Facebook and Google Plus pages for all of our original programs and connect with Dr. Dina, Kyle Cushman, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, Nurse Heather, Doc Rob, the hosts of Gondrepreneur, and more. Connect with the growing Cannabis Radio social crusade at Canna Radio on Twitter or search for Cannabis Radio on Facebook, Google Plus, and Instagram and grow with us. Equio, New Frontier's cutting-edge big data platform puts the information and answers you need right at your fingertips in real time to help you more effectively run your cannabis business. Go to www.equio.io to sign up for your free membership today. Again, that's www.equio.io. Run with New Frontier and let us help you conquer the wild. We're back to Hemp Presents, only on Cannabis Radio. Now... Back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, 
Vivian McPeak. And we're back on Hemp Resent on the second segment with Dr. Sunil Agarwal. Sunil, we, we're all going to die. So anyone might benefit from your work in hospice. We also all dream at night. Yet when we consume a lot of ganja, we can wake up without recalling our dreams. What's up with that? I and mean, what's the impact of that? Do you have any thoughts on that? Hmm. No, I don't know. So I've heard this. A lot of people have talked about re- reductions in certain stages that we of sleep uh, related to high use of certain cannabis use before bedtime. And um, I am not a sleep doctor. I know, I know that somebody has looked at this. Uh, I remember reading some um, changes in the architecture of sleep. Um, there's certain stages of sleep you go through, you know, and you can do EEG studies to see what brainwave patterns you're in, how deep you're in, whether you're in RAM and all that stuff. And my understanding is there is a shift in that when um, people are under the influence of cannabis or at least uh, have had it in a certain period of time prior to sleep. But uh, what does that mean on a long-term basis? Are people are getting, if people are getting restful sleep, that's what really matters. Sleep is a time for restoration. You really need it to have a good day. Most people with, um, I mean, the, the excellent research that's the, the now the National Academy of Medicine, which is the most august body, used to be called the Institute of Medicine, now the National Academy of Medicine, in their most recent report, definitively says there is scientific evidence that cannabis helps in chronic pain. Period. Full stop. There's no ifs, ands, buts, maybes. We think maybe more research needed to determine that. No, it is a fact. Sleep is where a lot of healing in the body takes place, right? And if cannabis helps you get a restful exactly. full eight hours of sleep, that's got to really aid healing. Am I wrong? Correct. And most specifically in chronic pain, as I was going to say, is that they don't, people with chronic pain don't sleep properly. They have frequently have disturbed sleep because, you know, uh, they wake up at night due to pain or they're just not, their uh, pain has caused disruptions in their normal sleep patterns. And the first thing that you do uh, to really get people on a better uh, pain relief pattern when you're dealing with chronic persistent pain, which changes your body's nervous system, is to get people sleeping better. So I can, this, this material, this compound, cannabis, which we know helps in chronic pain, uh, if it's affecting sleep um, for them, it's probably affecting that in a positive way. So that's uh, that's kind of my inference. Like it, it was, if it was such a thing that, you know, everyone's sleep was being messed up, then it wouldn't really be helping chronic pain patients in the long term because if you're disrupting their sleep, then their pain problems are going to get worse. So that's kind of my inferential logic. But certainly we need to get good quality sleep studies with people using different cannabis varieties on board in certain times with that kind of research we haven't been able to to do as easily because of the uh, federal classification. But but uh, states are starting to get around that now. Some dreams uh, are... are, are, are... Some dreams are actually disturbing, so we might do better without without remembering some of them. Uh, <laughs> Sunil, cannabis can be delivered to the human body really five basic ways that I'm aware of. Smoking, vaporizing, eating, sublingual or under the tongue, and topical or transdermal on the skin. Which of these methods do you suggest for patients with a terminal disease? Does it matter? Yeah, uh, they. you also should add rectal. Um, oh, that's, yeah, uh, I, increasingly gee, I, interesting. somehow I forgot that one. <laughs> How did I do that? Last but not least. <laughs> right. When I was a dealer, I sat on a lot of pot. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, this is the uh, administration through the uh, rectal mucosa because there's a lot of veins there, and uh, it's a good absorption site, uh, especially for when we are talking about patients in uh, end-of-life situations uh, who often do have difficulties with uh, swallowing 
um, and uh, absorption and whatnot. It, it, it's a, it's kind of a important one to remember. We give a lot of meds to hospice patients uh, per rectum PR, as we say. Um, so that's that's kind of um, you know, I think the um, the bottom line on that is really you really need any and all of them um, because end of life patients tend to have various different. Sometimes it's hard to get a you know IV started. Sometimes it's hard for them to tolerate things by mouth. Uh, you know, they're, they're having a lot of nausea and vomiting. Correct, correct. So all, any any and all is as helpful to have. It's just a matter of um, figuring out what you're trying to treat, and um, you know how soon of an effect that you need it. I, I really think that um, I mean, in general, patients. I try to tell them about. Most people do understand that, you know, with opioids, which certainly have caused a scourge of of deaths because we overuse them and, and mis- misuse them, but they also are uh, very great in many settings. Um, but we have long-acting and short-acting. Long-acting opioids uh, to give you a longer release. So you don't have to take them as often and short-acting for the breakthrough. And that similar type of framework can help us think about inhaled versus um you know, gut absorption or the gut absorption of cannabis when you take uh, take it by, uh, swallow it and absorb it in your stomach, that'll last longer, so if you're long-acting, and then you can have breakthrough, shorter-acting through the uh, other routes inhaled, especially. Sublingual as well, it's a little bit slower, it's in between the two, but uh, that kind of um, approach is, is, is nice when you're trying to kind of tailor and titrate. So that's what I would say. I mean, they really, they really got to have several different options available. IV is no good because cannabinoids don't absorb in the, or don't uh, dissolve in the water. Um, though there are some British scientists who made some kind of chemical, you know, uh, thing that allowed the crystals that allowed cannabinoids to absorb into them. And you can watch some YouTube videos of people getting IV shots of THC. Uh, so, you know, there's that, but I don't think that's, readily available. As you know, we spoke before I cared for my father as he was dying of cancer and pot brownies was a, a, a saving grace uh, as far as administration. But for me, my father dying and I was just right there when he died, it was transformational. It was a psychedelic experience for me uh, and, and for my lady at the time. What is working with dying people revealed to you that's worth sharing? Oh my goodness! I mean, it's uh, extremely, uh, it's extremely heartful, soulful, uh, special work to be with people uh, as they are uh, facing these uh, uh, moments that, uh, in, in which uh, really, really to, to to give people opportunity to have a good death, so that they're not um, so overridden by by symptoms that are, are unbearable. That uh, that don't allow them to be more present uh, is a wonderful thing because when they do get those moments of clarity, when they have those moments of uh, peace, uh, so much wisdom uh, is available uh, to learn from them about what really matters the most. Uh, we always try to tell people that uh, when we're families too, that the most important things that people really want to be hearing when they are in those stages and when days or even hours. Um, I love you. I forgive you. Uh, uh, I thank you. You know, and, and vice versa. It's 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 time. It's these are the times to to focus on just those those core things: gratitude and forgiveness and love. And you know, you just can't help but be uh, 
uh, moved by that when you work with those kind of uh, in those situations and and uh, it's just it's helped me uh under get a better understanding of what's important in my life and in my and thinking about my family so i just um i'm very grateful for those uh, uh opportunities and hope that um part of the work we're doing is is making sure people have what when when they are you know dying that the death is at least a good death just like we all want good births we want good deaths too and uh, in our society, we've gotten so enamored because of consumerism that, you know, hey, we're never going to die. It's always live young forever and ever and ever and ever. And, um, you know, but we all we all have to go sometime. And that's what makes part of life valuable. So it's really a lot of those lessons for me. Viv. You know, I think it's Dr. Bernie Siegel who's done some great writing on, on this subject. I, I remember reading that years ago. I wish I could remember the, the, the name of his, his books. Um, you influenced the American Medical Association to recognize medical marijuana uh, all by yourself, I believe, after many decades of avoiding that. Uh, how, how did you do that? <laughs> yeah, well, it wasn't all by my – I mean, I was uh, – I, I had help um, – from the American, the student association. Um, there was a guy at marijuana policy project who was giving me, uh, some strategies or ideas who had, who'd worked on previously worked on campaigns to eliminate, to call for the elimination of elephants and circuses. He was really into that, uh, you know, animal rights and the abuse of animals. And he, so he kind of knew how to work with uh, large organizations. So he was giving me some, uh, some ideas and pointers in those days, but, Boy, it really started about out with just become going to my medical school where I was a student and saying, "Hey, listen, you know, you got to elect me somehow to this uh, the student section of the AMA because I want to bring this forward." And um, you know, I had a draft resolution, and they all said, "Okay, you can be an alternate." And the main guy sort of said, "Okay, I won't go this year." So I got to be the actual delegate rather than the alternate. And when I went to the uh, meeting, you know, beforehand, I sent it out to the different. The, the listserv of all the different medical schools that have students that are going to go to the meeting in Chicago and said, Hey, we, you know, who wants to sign on to this or who's, who's in favor of this and, you know, give me your feedback. And uh, one by one students from LA, UCLA, University of New Mexico, East coast, West coast, small schools, they started signing on, Hey, I want to be a co-author. I want to be a co-author. And it was just great. You know, I got started to see that this is not just, other students get this too. And when we got to the meeting in Chicago, it was just a matter of, you know, bringing some more materials to them, letting them know that uh, what the science was showing and that we really, the problem is the classification. And there was pushback. There was people who got up and said, Hey, we're not allowed to talk about that. That's the cl- the government sets the classification. You know, what are we doctors supposed to say about that? And, you know, and then we had, they had to remind, be reminded of their important ethical um, obligation under the Hippocratic Oath and the Code of Ethics that you know we have to seek changes in laws that are um, that are necessary for improvement of our patients' health. And then the Hippocratic and that, you know, Oath, we do have a say in it because <laughs> Hippocratic, Hippocratic Oath, Oath is do no right. harm, right? That's that's one of the principles. That's right. It's an oath that's been uh, saying uh, said for many many. Uh, thousand years, uh, you know, goes back to the original father of uh, modern medicine or Western medicine, uh, Hippocrates, who, who was a uh, practice medicine in, in ancient Greece uh, and uh, really taught people one of the first things. Yes, is doctors, we have a lot of skills, but, to, you know, don't, don't, don't come and make things worse than they already are. That's do no harm. That's the first thing, because, you know, 
and, and that's true for anybody trying to help somebody. You know? So Neil, I need to do no harm and go to my, my last break real quick. Okay. And hear a word from our sponsors and advertisers. Come right back with Sunil Agarwal, MD, PhD. Time to roll out for the people that let us have present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. Cannabis legalization efforts are increasing competition for businesses wanting to make it big. In this complex and fast-changing environment, only the savviest will survive. What are you going to do to stay ahead of the game? Enter New Frontier's free platform, Equio the premier business intelligence, visualization, and marketing platform for the cannabis industry. With Equio, you can stay on top of your store sales, trends, and competition, better understand your seasonality and broader sales trends, identify and compare your top products and categories, and cross-buying opportunities. Go to www.equio.io to sign up for your free membership today. That's EQUIO.io to sign up now. The power of real time big data is now in your hands. Run with New Frontier and let us help you conquer the wild. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. We're back to Hemp Present, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak. And we're back one more time on Hemp Present on Cannabis Radio with Sunil Agarwal. Sunil, I could talk to you for hours, but unfortunately, we only have about two minutes. You were recently a featured alumni in the University of Washington Department of Global Health Report. What was that like? Can you talk about that? <laughs> oh, man, that that was an incredible uh, moment to, to have been uh, featured, asked to be featured in this uh, annual report on the 10-year anniversary of the University of Washington's Department of Global Health's founding. Um, they had an event uh, recently on campus, and the uh, gov- governor spoke there, the dean of the School of Medicine, the dean of School of Public Health, the chair of the department, and then, you know, their big uh, benefactor, Melinda Gates, uh, all all spoke, and this is where they released this. And it was just for me uh, to act, for them to say, you know, of all the medical students that have come through our department, that we want to feature this this guy in the in our you know ten year report was uh, very uh, special. I just, uh, I mean, uh, for a long time, work around uh, cannabis and drug war uh, has been okay. Yeah, you know, it's not race, it's not class, it's not uh, you know malaria or AIDS in Africa. Uh, it's this other thing, and people didn't understand how this issue intersects with 
all those other issues and that it's about certain uh, freedom, human, human right to health and uh, people who are being denied liver transplants, uh, people who are being denied, uh, you know, refugee status, uh, people who uh, essentially are being denied access to med- accurate health information, access to the fruits of their scientific of scientific research, people who are denied access to tr- traditional plant medicines, traditional plants that, you know, have been used for millennia by by, by cultures all over the world. Those are very strong violations and and uh, have huge impacts on global health. Um, not to mention, um, you know, pain relief and all the other things that we, we were talking about in the show, uh, palliation. And I, I think it was, for me, a moment where, okay, wow, the, the, the powers that be also see or are recognizing that, yeah, this is also a path towards global health, um, uh, recognizing that uh, people need to have access to their traditional plants and um, that we, we need to have a system that recognizes that everybody has a right to health. So it just well, gave me a lot of uh, satisfaction. <laughs> Dr. Sunil Agarwal, my good friend, found at cannabinologist.org. I'll say that again, cannabinologist.org. Thank you so much for being on Hemerson on Cannabis Radio. You are an inspiration. It's always such a pleasure. Hempy trails to you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Same to you. Now I want to get to a weekly feature, Hemerson on CannabisRadio.com. That's the quote of the week, and here it is. And I quote, the good physician treats the disease the great physician treats the patient who has the disease. And that's 18th century, uh, or excuse me, I think 19th century physician, Dr. William Osler. That concludes this installment here present on Cannabis Radio. I want to thank Brasco, my man in the control room, and all the Cannabis Radio sponsors and advertisers. Join me next week for some more reefer repartee and cannabis confabulation with some special hempo sapien on a journey to justice. Because when it comes to prohibition, you have the right not to remain silent. Activism requires a voice, so find yours and speak up for justice because resistance is fertile. Until then, my friends, stay strong, stand tall, and toke it easy. Don't forget to email me at hempresent at gmail.com. The Hempresent theme song, Take Back the Plan, is performed by Stickerbush and sung by a much younger version of myself. Turn up the music, maestro. I'm out. Marijuana! The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.